Welcome to the YWAM Factor Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to us today. The YWAM Factor is about life, travel, and faith. Join us as we recall our escapades in youth with a mission and talk about how fun and adventurous it is to live a life that's fully committed to God. So here we go. Well, hello, Alan. Welcome back. Hi, Jay. It's good to be back on the Y Factor. Yes, it's good to see you too. Well, the Y Wham Factor. I got to get Y Wham Factor, that. whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was fun. It was fun having John last week. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, wasn't it? He's yeah, it was. Fun. Yeah. yeah. He does text me things. Does he, does he send you things? No, he doesn't. No. Oh, he, he uh, sends me um, uh, some very uh, right, right wing political stuff. You know, <laughs> very patriotic political. Oh right, right, stuff. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he probably knows that that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> yeah, so he doesn't send it to you. You know, I was uh, I was thinking about him this week, and I remember a time, and I don't know if you were there or not. You tell me if you were there. When he and I were, I remember he and I were sitting in, you were at 500B, sitting around that big table. And uh, somebody rang the bell and we looked out the window and it was this uh, Chevrolet part out there, this nice fancy car. And there was this Pakistani guy in a, in a, in a suit ringing our bell. And he, I went to the gate and I said, yes. And he said, I'm looking for Mr. John Baker. And uh, <laughs> so I said, well, he's inside. And and so I brought him inside and sat him down and John came out and the guy reaches into his breast pocket and pulls out a letter on fancy stationery. And it says, Mr. John Baker on it. And he opens it up. John opens it up and we're like, what, what is this? You know? And <laughs> it said, the letter said something like, dear Mr. Baker, your, your mother called the embassy this morning <laughs> and she's looking for you. <laughs> and, um, uh, you're welcome to accompany our, our, this man back, Mr. Khan or whatever his name was, back to the embassy and, and call her from uh, the embassy phone if you like, something like that. And wow. <laughs> that was really something. It was, it was like, it was like what, who died or what tragedy has <laughs> happened or what, what's going on. But I don't know if you were there during that time or not. I, I don't recall it, no. And did John go back to the embassy and call his mum? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and had he just been a really bad communicator, or what was the... I guess he he had been. I was like, when's the last time you called, you know, you talked to her, you wrote your mom, and uh, it had been a while, I guess, so... Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I can I can identify with that now, you know, because our our son is is really slow at communicating. Yeah, is he really? And you know, we've got we've got dozens more options than we had in in the oh 80s. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm in fact um in fact uh here let me just get this here. I've been looking through some old files of mine and these are these are uh telegrams that I sent my parents when I was in Pakistan. Oh, wow. And, uh, oh, they're, they're atrociously like botched, you know, all the spellings wrong. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, uh, money box received 
going Bangkok, February 20th, need $400. (laughs) Oh, you're such a loving son. (laughs) And even... Even my uh, letters, I, my parents saved all my letters, and so I was looking through those, and I'm, I'm pretty like uh, demanding in the letters. It's, they're kind of hard to read because I'm like, well, you need to do this, you need to send me this, you need, you know, and I'm, I'm like, yikes! Really? I, yeah, I was, I was uh, really expecting my parents to do things for me. Yeah, but wow. Yeah, and they, they never mentioned it. They didn't say. You are uh, being a too demanding kid. (laughs) And then I'm really enthusiastic. I'm like, we saw, we saw, you know, you know, we went to this conference and we saw these people and I'm just, I'm just very positive. positive. Yeah. Gushy, gushy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking they would help me in my writing, but they're kind of hard to read. So I don't think, I don't think they're going to be helpful. <laughs> well, at least you got some dates and stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Help you, help you kind of um, orientate your mind as to when things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I found it, I found it very useful. Like you sent, you sent me that newsletter that we wrote mm. and it had the date that we arrived. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. 20, uh, what was it? The 16th, I think, of, of September 1985. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that, that's really nice to know, isn't it? Yes. And it said that we, we were, we, it only took us one week to get our house. <laughs> Seemed like we were in that YWCA for forever. Yeah, it? yeah. it was only a week. Wow. Because yeah. we celebrated my birthday in 500B. And and I my birthday is the twenty fourth, okay. which is only like eight days after after we arrived in the country. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah that was that was pretty cool. Let me see here. I think I might even have it here. Yeah, I could show it. So that yeah, there it is. Yeah. It also had oh, the that's full the yeah, had the full complement of um, names on there of all of us and who were part of the team and where we were from. And yeah, 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 that yep. was yeah. There it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I is think that an, a, is that the original or is that? Yeah, this is an original. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize. I think I must have sent it to my parents and they kept it. Right. But I do think I have. I think we did more than one of these. Um, I think we did, I think we did either two or three. And I remember one of them having a, um, a picture of a map and, uh, Pakistan, then an arrow going from Pakistan to Mecca in a big explosion. (laughs) So I remember something like that. So I'm going to, I, I have a, uh, a journal that, um, that I think it has has the second one in it, but I haven't found it yet. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There were very grandiose plans in that in that uh, Westwood bound. You know, we're going to Mecca itself. Yeah, <laughs> yes. going to Mecca itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How to uh, incense? How to incense? Um, one hundred one point five billion Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and I remember some some of the old time workers 
uh, saw that in there, like, where did you have that printed? Did you have that printed in the country? And they were quite concerned yes. uh, that we did that. But, uh, yeah. and probably rightly so, you know, but yes. we, we, we were young, carefree, and we naive. knew everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically naive, but thought we knew everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 but it does bring up you know the whole point of of um how do you effectively share you know jesus with muslims mm. I mean, how, how, how I, I mean yeah yeah i mean i think i think that as as that newsletter kind of attests to we saw your pros there You're frozen now. Now I'm frozen. Am I back? You're back now. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure what happened. Anyway, yeah. Might be a slightly. The, the, today is raining and overcast here, so maybe that is affecting the internet. It, that can do it. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, um, but, yeah, I think we, we saw Muslims as targets and, mm. not, as pe and not as people. Yeah. Um, we we had this task in our mind of reaching Muslims mm -hmm. and um, and and planning we had churches. To, yeah, and and the goal was kind of foremost, and people kind of, you know, they were a means to the goal kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true, uh, and and yeah, I think I think we had, you know, we had a goal in mind. Yeah, mm. and the people were were stepping stones to that goal rather yes. than, than 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 human beings. Yeah, which is Almost. which is sad, but but I think it's so common for mm -hmm. for people, um, Christians and others, to think that way. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of and Western, I think Western um, people in general are quite task oriented. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so give us, give us a job to do, and we'll map out the best way to do it. But and crush about you know everyone that gets in the way. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's true. And and you know even even now as I'm doing this writing project, I'm I'm really digging down into some memories of some people, and I feel kind of bad. Um, that mm. I didn't recognize what great people they were, you know, mm. and and what precious souls they were, you know, mm. to, and and you know there were there were occasions. Well, I don't know if you knew Raheel and Shazad. I don't know. Y yes. Did you know them? Okay, he was he yes. was studying to be an airplane pilot. Yes. Um, okay. And uh, he 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 and I and his friend Shazad were studying. Uh, the scriptures and his father found out and they kicked him out of the house and uh, you know that whole story I was just so naive you know I was just it was um, he, you know he, he can, you, can you recount can you recount what happened Jay yeah yeah I should do that shouldn't I <laughs> yeah okay. yeah well I met Raheel at the university he was 
I was at the tea stall there at the Oriental College, and he came up to me and he said, "Hi, I'm Raheel. Are you a Christian?" And uh, I was like, "Well, yeah. What, why do you ask?" <laughs> and he mm-hmm. said, "Well, I I've spent some time in the Philippines, and I I'm familiar with the Bible, and I want to continue to study it, but my father doesn't um, want me to." Uh, and when he found out that I was studying in the Philippines, he called me home. And so I remember uh, uh, now you mentioned this. I remember because we had this big conversation. What if he's just spying? What if he's yeah. just trying to yeah. get, catch us out and get us kicked out of the country? And yeah, 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 because it was so blunt and so out of the blue. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so uh, um, and he, he said, but now I'm a little braver and I have my friend Shazad and he wants to study as well. And so I, I went and met he and Shazad, and uh, we decided to study. We would study at Raheel's house because his father had three wives, and he didn't live at that house. And so uh, he came, you know, once a month maybe to that house. So we studied in his room, and, uh, and so we did that. I don't know how long we did that for. It seems like it was a long time. But we were just getting to the point of talking about baptism when um, he came to my, our, our house and came to me and said, and he was all dis- disheveled, his clothes were wrinkled, and he had, his hair was standing up, and he was like, my father found my Bible and uh, got very angry with me and beat me and kicked me out of the house. And he's gone now, so I can go back, I think, but uh, I don't want to study the Bible anymore. He said he threatened to cut off all my money for my pilot studies my university studies, and Shazad is scared to death. Shazad, uh, I told Shazad, and Shazad is just petrified. And uh, he mm-hmm. feels like if, if they, anybody found out, he'd lose his job, because he was working. Shazad was working, Raheel was studying. And, uh, and so um, they stopped. I never saw Shazad again. And they uh, never did. No, and they were good friends. They were like really good friends. Yes. You know, I'd, I'd, I, I mean, when you together. mentioned their... Yeah, when you mentioned their names, I uh, they that that immediately, you know, I, I knew the names. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, although I didn't recall all that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I still saw Raheel once in a while, but he never showed any interest in the scriptures ever again. And uh, yeah, Raheel was kind of a. I mean, it was it was funny. He was like a little guy, but he he was like a ladies man. He, he really liked the ladies, you know, and he, he, uh, he was tutoring this girl. Uh, he was an Arabic tutor. I think, I think it was Arabic and he would tutor people. And, um, this attractive girl, um, uh, he was tutoring and he told Shazad, I, I bet I can kiss her. And then within, within a month, I will kiss her. <laughs> and Shazad was scandalized. He's like, "Don't do that." He said, "But if you, I, I bet you a dinner at the Hilton or something that you can't." Mm. And uh, within three weeks, Raheel had kissed her. <laughs> wow. There was stuff like that that would, you know, they were just normal, real spiritual guy. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and and um. You know, people listening to this might think, oh, big deal, he kissed her. But this is Pakistan in the 80s. Yeah. You know, the that's a, guys and girls that's a did not deal. hang out. Yeah. 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 In fact, the Jamadi Islami would walk around the campus with big sticks. And if they, they would see guys and girls talking, they would yeah. whack them. 
you know, with the stick. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it, it was, it's kind of like, if you can compare it, I guess, to prohibition or something like that, you know, when, when it's a legalistic society. And, and um, I, I, I remember, I can't remember who I was with. I think I was with Shabir as uh, a guy that I knew that lived in the village. His name was Shabir. Okay. And, is he the uh, one that, that that gave you his cloak, gave you his shawl? Yeah. That guy? Well, it, it was the guy that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was okay. that. He was part of that story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but he, I'm pretty sure I went to the cinema with him. No, it couldn't have been Shabir because his father, the whoever it was. What happened was I went to the cinema because cinema at that in those days was huge in Pakistan it's like and young yeah. people loved going to the cinema yeah, yeah. i don't know. did you ever go to the cinema with anyone yeah, yeah i yeah. saw i think i saw rambo 2 or something at the cinema right i remember seeing well, american ninja at the cinema too <laughs> there <laughs> well well i went to one of these pakistani theaters with uh, cinemas with with uh, one of my pakistani friends Okay. Uh, who, uh, I said I wanted to go and see Mustafa Qureshi and and, and Sultan Rai, and you yeah, probably uh, recall uh, too. Yeah, yeah, wow. mega mega stars of Punjabi films. Wow, I haven't thought of those guys in years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm getting that buzzing quite a bit. Are you really? It's when I talk. Yeah. But um, but anyway. Um, I went to the cinema with this guy and we watched a Mustafa Qureshi and Sultan Rai Punjabi film, mm. which are just hilarious. I'd recommend anybody watching them. Um, they're just so funny. And anyway, we came out and, um, and then I remember afterwards his, the, the, we were both single, young single guys, but his father got upset with me because he saw me as the bad influence on his son going to the cinema. And, um, and so that's the kind of environment. So, uh, you know, where, where to be a pious young person, you don't even go to the cinema. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, being the foreigner, I was the one that got blamed. Yeah, I'm the, the bad influence. You're the bad influence, man. And that that was a lesson to me, actually, to to be really thoughtful about the what not what is acceptable to me, but what is what is acceptable in the culture. Yeah. Uh, as as being a godly, what is a godly person? Right. Um, yeah. But I mean that that highlights <laughs> that kissing a girl is like <laughs> that would <Yeah>. be like <laughs> uh, it, terrible. Yeah. And, and terrible for the girl too. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did it by promising to marry her, you know. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know. It's awful. But you've got to. There, there had to be, you know. There had, I mean, men and women, boys and girls, young men, young women were separate all the time, you mm. know. And and uh, they never, they never saw each other, you know. And yeah, maybe yeah. at the university they would. You know, but mm. it was uh, very controlled, and you know, I think it was hard for um, right. for them. And I think you have cases of of um, like homosexuality because of that. 
Oh yeah, it was a big problem. Yeah. A big problem in in Pakistan. Yeah. But um, going back to Shabir, so you you never saw him again after like Shazad? Shazad, you mean? Uh, what, are you, what are you talking? Uh, about? Sorry, yeah, I'm getting confused with Shazad and Rahil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shazad, um, Shazad was Rahil's friend, and he he uh, he was interested too. But he he that after Rahil got caught, I never saw him again. Never talked to him right. again. He was. Scared. What about Raheel? Raheel, I still saw. He not as often, and certainly not, not as deep of a friendship as we had. Uh, he kind of, you know, he kind of, uh, kind of went into the ladies' man kind of, kind of mode after that. Yeah, that's uh, sad. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe he's my pilot when I'm flying. <laughs> flying somewhere it'd be really cool to see him again <laughs> yeah but it was um it was at his uh in his uh, complex apartment complex where i played cricket for the first time and i uh i was up to bat and uh they bowled to me and i swung and i hit the ball and i dropped the bat and took off running to my right <laughs> because i was used to baseball baseball yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they thought that I was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so. sorry. I'm sorry, Jay, but I'm getting that buzzing almost every time I open my mouth. You're it's um, it's you? It's you or it's me? I, I, I guess it must be because it's when I speak that I hear it. Okay. And, um, okay. I don't know how it's gonna go when you come to edit. Okay. We edit. Well, I don't know that we can fix it right now, so hopefully it won't be that bad. So yeah. Maybe I can yeah. mix mix it or something differently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, that was a great experience that you had with with Raheel and Shazad. I mean, it highlights the difficulties that Muslims have if they want to explore anything that's different than Islam. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, even. I never experienced anything that um, intense in India, ever. I, you, you didn't have that uh, in mm. India with Muslims. They were different. But the further west you go, it seems the more intense it gets. Yes. And the more pressure people have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, of course, Islam being an Islam, uh, sorry, Islam, Pakistan being a, a, an Islamic republic, mm. its whole identity is tied up in, in um, Islam. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that kind of adds an intensity that it, that may not be there in India, where Muslims are the minority. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the uh, what was his name? Zeal Haq. Zeal yes. Haq was was very using Islam to unite the country under mm. him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he's the one that introduced the blasphemy law. And yeah, um, yeah, it's true. Wow. And has um, which has really just caused havoc for the Christian community and other minority groups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you remember Azad Marshall? Yes. Okay, and Garth, right? Yes. Do you remember the name? We probably shouldn't say it, but do you, do you remember the name of the organization? Yes, I, yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll ask you after we're done recording. <laughs> right. But um, yeah. but yeah, they I 
I'm remembering too this this Iranian pastors conference that we had there. Do you remember that? No. Okay. Not at all. They had had this. I don't. I don't remember you being there. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny. Like that thing with John, that letter. You know, you you must have been around. It's just. It's just yeah. Where were you? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. honestly don't know. Yeah. Maybe um, it costs money. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was during a time, it might have been when you were in Islamabad. But anyway, uh, um, they had this conference and all these Iranian pastors came. And then and Azad invited me. And so I went and um, I had no idea who I, was, who I was rubbing shoulders with. I mean, these guys were, these guys were suffering. Like, like these guys yes. were just really suffering. There was one guy named Johnny. Who, uh, who was about my age. And he just, uh, it was during the Iran-Iraq war, you know, that they were, you know, they were fighting each other. There were... I, there are were, you sure? Yeah. That's not till, that's not till the 90s, the Iran-Iraq war. Iran-Iraq war was from 1980 to 1988. Oh, sorry, yes. I'm, I was thinking the, um, the Kuwait. Yeah, you're thinking one. Kuwait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, they would send the Christians to the front lines uh, wow. and, that. and he'd been to the front lines and he, you know, he was telling me things, but, but there was this um, Afghani guy uh, and I'd forget his name. They called him Paul, I think, but uh, he was blind. Did you ever meet this guy? No. Okay. Um, he was blind. He spoke, he spoke seven or eight different languages. He, at this conference, he spoke in Persian, and uh, all the Iranians were laughing because he was using colloquial Persian and mm. very well. And uh, but it wasn't his first language, and he spoke English very well. And he uh, he just told his story about how he was a a blind uh, in a school. He was blind. Did, I, did they say that? Um, yes, you did. Okay. It's an important part. <laughs> but he, he said he was at the School of the Blind and he'd memorized the Quran at 14 years old. And uh, some teacher came up to him uh, who was working at the school and challenged him to study the, the Bible. And he got a hold of a Braille Bible and he read it. And uh, God spoke to him and he became a Christian. And uh, he got kicked out of the school because of that. And he... Uh, but he, he studied all over the, he, he'd been to Germany, I know. But anyway, he, um, he, he told a story about how he was in Afghanistan and, and people would shove him and push him down and toss him into the gutter because he was a Christian. And he, you know, he was a blind, Christian, blind guy and people were, were, were throwing him in the gutter and stuff. They just mm. didn't care. And uh, two years after that conference, he disappeared. And um, they finally found out that he'd been captured by these Islamists who had tortured him and killed him. And, uh, you know, and I just, I, I mean, I choke up thinking about it because I, I had no idea whose presence I was in. You know, this guy yes. was, was the real deal. And, uh, you know, you, you go away from, from meeting people like that thinking, what has my faith cost me? Yes, because it really hasn't cost me anything at all. That's right. Except maybe, you know, who to vote for in America 
in November. (laughs) (laughs) That's my biggest concern, you know, not that somebody's going to kill me or my family. You know, he had a, he had a blind wife and three daughters and one of his daughters is blind too. And I've always tried to figure out, well, why, why are there so many blind people in his family? It must've been Mm. a genetic thing. It must've been something like that. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's people like that, that, uh, and it's going on. There are people like that all over the Muslim world, you know, Christians like that and and Muslim background believers like that who are suffering like that and are dying and persecuted and unable to get jobs, unable to uh, walk down the street without being, you know, laughed at or, or bullied. And, yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, uh, the, yeah. Uh, there, of course, there are dozens of books that you can read of testimonies of of, of Muslims that have have become believers. And and nowadays, of course, you can look up on YouTube and you'll find testimonies there. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's incredible that that um, there is so much cost for Muslims. And um, there's there's every kind of cost you can imagine. Um, first, I mean, not only the, the the threat of physical violence, but there's the emotional cost of being a part of a very very strong community, which the 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 Islamic Ummah is. You know, the the Ummah is a is a very very strong community. Uh, with an identity that is that is really being force fed um, i don 't want that to come across negatively it, it, it they 've been discipled mm-hmm. into their way of thinking yeah. since they were children yeah and um, and so you know force fed sounds sounds like i 'm accusing them of indoctrination yeah well, everybody indoctrinates their family, you know, right, into right. what they believe. Yeah. And, and um, uh, it, it's just sad that, that in Islam, part of the whole deal of being a Muslim is the, the whole thing of discouraging investigation. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. well, even, even back in the eighties, there was no internet. There was no, you know, I mean, it was hard to get a hold of time magazine or, you know, <laughs> Herald yeah. Tribune or anything international. And if you didn't speak English, you could read any of those things. And yeah. so there's, there was, there was uh, very limited resources for people to do any sort of discovery. And so uh, when people, when they were taught things, they believed them, you know, Christians, yeah. Christians, you know, America is a Christian country and uh, Christians put out movies like these, you know, with sex in them and stuff. That's, yes. that's what Christians believe, you know, and yeah. and uh, it was it it was it was an information black hole, black blackout, I guess would be the yes. yeah 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 yeah. It's really true, and um, and of course, Western education uh, is organized in, in in a way that promotes rationality and 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 investigative thought, and we're taught as children to question and, you know, don't just believe what I say, find out for yourself and look, Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and the one, the teachers that teach, you know, just write down what I'm telling you, 
rote learning, that that has slowly phased out of Western education. As, yeah. And we've taught we've taught people to be skeptics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in some ways that's good and in some ways it's bad. But uh, it's very much at the other end of the scale. In, in Yeah, definitely. At least in Pakistan, where rote learning is the norm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we have this culture in the West. I, I know here in the States of, of don't trust the man, you know, stick it to the man. Mm. Um, don't trust authority. Uh and you're really seeing that now in our culture. Mm. You know, there's yes. no, nobody trusts anybody. <laughs> yes. We don't trust news outlets. We don't trust, you know, the mm. president. We don't trust anybody in Congress. It's just really, really something else. Yeah. Not that they're yeah. doing, I don't want to get off on American politics, but that's just part of our culture, you know, now. Mm. And it's so different than, uh, than, uh, Pakistan. And even, even, even here, like, for example, if I, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't think of an example. If, um, okay. Yeah. Here we had a driver in India and, uh, he, he, he was, he didn't show up. He was a bad, bad choice for a driver. And so I fired him. And when you fire somebody and he, he argued with me and he begged me and I was like, no, sorry, can't use you anymore. Bye-bye. And he, um, he, uh, he left and I had no worries about him retaliating against me. Like, uh, uh, but in the States, if I did that to somebody and they were angry at me, they would come back and slash my tires or something like that. Mm. You know? And so there's this compliance. There's, there's this, um, what am I thinking? It's just, it's a, uh, the poor are beaten down in, yes. in these countries. Yeah. yeah. And so they have given up uh in some ways and uh whereas in in the west we don't necessarily uh encourage that kind of behavior you know we stand up for yourself you know make yourself known stand out don't let people put you down uh yeah that's encouraged yeah we've kind of we've kind of swung away to the right in in that respect haven't we yeah. Um, yeah, and in some ways, this anti-dis—what's that word? Anti-disestablishmentarianism is <laughs> coming back to bite us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What did you find? I mean, we've both, you know, moved on from 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 the uh, our Pakistan days. Well, those Pakistan days for you. Um, mm-hmm. But we've we both continue to work with Muslims for most of our adult lives. After that, mm-hmm. uh, what? You know, what did you find most effective to communicate the the gospel? Um, first of all, yeah. what, what what do you consider the gospel? I mean, what did you communicate to them, and how did you do it uh, in the early days? Um, no, what have you found effective from from all of your experience? Oh, okay, right. Well. Um, I think I've I've mentioned in a previous post, but but not in not in context of this discussion, um, that that the the first thing I had to do was move away from the whole view and attitude towards Muslims as being the target, yeah, to okay. seeing Muslims as people. And um, when and did that happen for I, you? Like when did that? Well, happen? 
Yeah, I, me- I mentioned, I think I've mentioned earlier about not really enjoying Pakistan when I was there at first. Yeah. And it took, it took me a couple of years to really come to, the term, come to terms with the fact that God wanted me to stay there. Okay. And, and uh, in order for me to want to stay there, I had to ask God to change my heart towards Pakistanis because, you know, I was, I was really there for the task yeah. of planting churches, of trying to reach Muslims with this message. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't love the culture. I didn't love the people. And so the first thing I did was ask God to give me a love, his love for the people of Pakistan. Okay. And he really did that. You know, he transformed my attitude and my, my, um, my whole demeanor towards Pakistanis to begin to love the culture and see the good in the culture and okay. to love the people. And, um, and, um, that took time, okay. but once I once I I think I changed to seeing the people as as people that that God really was concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd think that going there as a missionary, I would have already felt like that, but but it, it didn't. It took time for me to to learn that and to and to be transformed by the yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. So Did yeah, your, that that took time. Yeah. Did your wife? help you with that was was did that happen before you were married or no that that happened during those first three years okay that that I was there okay and as we began to learn about the culture as we began to know people I think Ashraf and Naveed had a big part in me okay Okay. recognizing that I just love these guys for who they are it doesn't matter if they don't become a believer or not right I, right. I, I just care about them. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and so that, that really changed my whole attitude towards the task. And I began to see it as, well, if I do really care about these people, then I want them to know God in a way that will fulfill them and, and, um, and give them a hope yeah. for the future. Well, if you're enjoying the YWAM Factor podcast, why not head on over to patreon.com backslash YFactor. That's patreon.com backslash YFactor, where you'll get pictures, video, podcasts, and other things that aren't normally available to the average person. So head on over there. That's patreon.com backslash YFactor with the letter Y. Now back to the podcast. So, I, um, yeah. I felt during those, those three years an obligation to inject the gospel into every conversation I had. Mm. And so like with Raheel, for example, when he's talking about kissing that girl, you know, I'm feeling like, well, you know, you shouldn't do that, you know, and <laughs> instead of just enjoying the relationship, you know, and, mm. And, uh, yeah, and, and when I would be on an airplane, I would feel an obligation to share the gospel with the person sitting next to me because, you know, I might be the only person that person ever meets that will hear the gospel mm. and feeling that pressure. And yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't until I got married and, and we, we lived in Hawaii for a while and uh, we had a church there and the pastor's name was Perry. And he, he challenged me theologically. I, I had no theological education at that point, you know, and so 
he challenged me on that theologically and uh, it freed me when once mm. I began to kind of look at the scriptures and, and realize, you know, it's not my burden to carry. Cause I think we were taught that in YWAM. I think we were taught, you know, if you don't go, nobody else will, you know, and if you yeah. don't share it, nobody's going to. And so maybe that person yeah. is the, you know, you're the only person who will ever, he'll ever meet that could share the good news of Jesus with. So you better do it. And hmm. that was a tremendous burden that I carried everywhere. Uh, right. But understand. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem, isn't it? When it becomes, when it becomes your burden rather than. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're just the person that the Holy Spirit might use. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it could be true. I could be that only person that person will meet, you know, mm. but it's, it's not, um, it's being, it's trusting God in that and not in my ability to share eloquently or share at all. You know, mm. um, you have to, uh, you have to trust in the sovereignty of God in that. Yes. Yeah. In saying that though, uh, you know, I, I, I know that, uh, I was challenged the other week when you when you mentioned my discussion with uh, you, you actually mentioned one or two uh, times where I was sharing the, the gospel with people quite pointedly. Uh, your memories of that, uh-huh. and um, and you know that challenged me myself. Yeah. You know yeah. to think well, you know there was a there was a time where the, the gospel was really foremost in my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, and where where I was eager to share it, and um, and so it made me think again. Well, where am I at now? You know, and do am I too reticent when it comes to sharing the gospel? Yeah, because unless you're an evangelist, you know, it's easy to hang back from sharing the gospel, and um, and miss opportunities because you're so you're so kind of like well. You know, I'll wait for exactly the right time, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was a, a youth pastor for a while, and uh, one of the things we did is sell Christmas trees to raise funds. And I bought all these Christmas trees, and we were selling them. and And this guy came to buy one, and I recognized him at an old job of mine. He was the window washer. He would go around and wash the windows of all the shops on the street, you know. And, and I and he I hadn't seen him in a while. And so I, I said, hey, you kind of disappeared there. And he said, yeah, I had a heart attack. And uh, I have, I'm supposed to have surgery, but I'm afraid to have surgery. And um, I said, oh, and he said, yeah, I'm afraid I'll die on the table. And he, and he was just literally crying for help. And this is at a church. You know, he's buying. And, and I didn't even pick up on it, you know, until oh, after he was no. gone. And I just, yeah. I, I, it was such an opportunity to, to, to just, he was asking for it, you know, yes, he, he yes. needed it. And, and look, looking for those opportunities and being aware of your surroundings mm. and of the people around you is, is, is important, you know, yes. for me anyway, you know, I, I, and, I, and I think those, those early years when we were there, we were, we were very much, that was the whole reason we were there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so we were, we were, we were jumping on on those opportunities, and yeah. I mean that's amazing. You know what you shared about Rahil and Shazad, that's amazing. You know, some some at those in those days in the eighties, there were there would have been um, 
cross-cultural workers who would have salivated over an opportunity like that, you know, and there it was dropped in your lap. Dropped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting there finding my own business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and who knows where Rahil and Shazad are today, you know? Right. Right. Um, and maybe that time with you was really, was really uh, transformative and, and was picked up by the Holy Spirit later on in their yeah. lives. Uh, are you, you're aware of what happened with Ashraf Naveed too, right? Um, after, it was after you had gone to Islamabad, I think. And I, or you, maybe you were at, at the SOFM or somewhere. Right. And I was, I remember, I remember this really clearly. I was, they, we were together at Ashraf's house. Ashraf, they lived in that little brick building and they had a buffalo in there <laughs> I don't remember yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. And we were on a yeah. charpai, you know, just sitting there looking at the stars and talking. And um, I said something like, uh, so what are you thinking about God these days? And Ashraf said, oh, I want to study the Bible. And and so he and Naveed and I did that for a while. Do you, do you, do you know this story? You should... I don't think so. Okay. And uh, then they, 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 they said they wanted to be Christians. And, uh, ah. uh, and then I was like, okay. And then I said, well, you know, let's don't rush this. Let's just study some more. And, and uh, they got impatient and they, t- they said they told their father that they wanted to be Christians and he was sending them away to an Islamic school. And so, uh, and uh, then they never went to that Islamic school. And... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were, I think they were trying to uh, figure out if I could get, get, I could come up with a way to get them out of Pakistan and into America. Yeah. 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 I think I, I do have a vague recollection. I wasn't there, but you told me about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, uh, they were that way. They were, yeah. they were uh, always scheming. Yeah. And I think I mentioned, just to continue the story of Ashraf and Naveed, I think I mentioned that that uh, Ashraf actually came to Perth yeah. when, I was, when I was there as a single. Yeah. Um, this is after I left Pakistan and I was there studying in, in Australia. And right. he, he came, he flew into Perth and I spent time with him. Oh, wow. And he, he was very much... Um, he was very much the young kind of hip guy and and uh, of course i wasn't that you know i was i was still the same person i was in pakistan and um and yeah so so we spent a bit of time together and then he had to leave he didn't have a visa a long term visa or anything okay and uh, he had to leave again and i've never seen him since then did he come just to see you I'm not sure why he came. Okay. Maybe he thought I could help him, but uh, I, I couldn't, of course. Okay. And, um, yeah, every Pakistani thinks that, that if you're a foreigner, you, you've somehow got an inside track at the embassy. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that happened all the time, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it did. But, um, but anyway, so, yeah, he left then, and uh, I never saw him again. And I always thought Ashraf was the more the more kind of bold, um, I'll, you know, I'll do anything um, yeah. kind of guy. 
and Naveed was always the one that seemed to have his head screwed on a bit tighter. Um, but yeah, but I, I would I agree ne- with that. Yeah, I, I never saw Naveed after after uh, leaving Pakistan, or or I I've tried to get in contact with him, but I couldn't find him. Naveed called me. Uh, I was living living some in the mid nineties sometime. And, uh, he was in America. He was in New York or New Jersey and he, he was working. He, I can't remember exactly. He either had a limousine company that he, he'd started or he was working at one. My guess knowing the is probably the latter, (laughs) (laughs) but he is like, Oh, you know, so we talked a bit. And at that point I was thinking of how to get back to Pakistan. So, I just asked him about business opportunities and stuff, and then, uh, and then um, that was it. Didn't talk to him again. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen him. Because his dad, I, my memory is that his dad was quite a. Uh, he was he was from a wealthier family. Uh, his dad was a businessman or something. I. I so. Yeah, I never, uh, I never really paid attention to his parents. So mm-hmm. I and I never saw them. So yeah. uh, uh, I don't know, but if that's what yeah. you remember, it's probably true. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But yeah, the, uh, again, you know, that that was a part of, for me, that was a, they were a part of my transformation and, and I just really got to know them as friends. Um, and obviously we, we, we would have been take, trying to take opportunities to share the gospel with them. But, but um, I remember going through the whole emotions and you, you may, may be able to recall this too, but Personally, the whole emotion of of not wanting to push the gospel too much that I alienated my my friends mm. and not hold, and all and then not holding back so much that I was being silent. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I remember grappling with the whole thing of friendship for friendship's sake. Okay. And and do I just want to know these people because I want to share the gospel with them? Mm-hmm. And it was a big emotional tussle for me in yeah. those years. I remember that. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I remember that too. It didn't, um, it didn't haunt me that, uh, that kind of like some people also when they, when they're part of an organization and they go overseas as part of an organization and they don't, they can't reveal that part of themselves they feel um, um, the, the deceptive when, mm. when they do that. And I never had, I never had any trouble being deceptive. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, Jay, I remember you're a really good liar. <laughs> Nobody could ever tell when you're lying. <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah. It was really good. You know, I could play Jesus really well on the cross. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah (laughs) that wrestling with that aspect of uh of of it but you know it's it's um it is when you're there just to do that then Mm. then yeah i think it is it is uh difficult to balance um that's why i i i feel like i fit into Indian society better with a job and mm. uh, yeah. And 
you, you probably experienced that too. It's like you have a job yes, and you, you uh, have a purpose and you can make work relationships. You can make community relationships and that can just live your life and then yes. take opportunities to share the gospel when they come up. Yes. Yeah. So just, just to explain, um, um, your, your um, experience is slightly different to mine, but, but we started out on tourist visas in, in Pakistan, our whole team. And, um, and so that, did, that gave us this hole that we fell into of who are we? Yeah. What is our role? What do we do here? What do we tell people? Why are you wanting to hang around Pakistan for, yeah, yeah. for years? On what do you do all day long? What do you do all day long? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and um, that, that was really difficult to deal with. At least I found it really difficult to deal with, being that we had no purpose. We had no definable role yeah. in, in the country. And then I moved in my third year in Pakistan, I moved to a to a student visa, mm -hmm. which um, have you ever been on a student visa? I was at Punjab University. I was on a student visa. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Okay. So being on a student visa is slightly better than being on a. <laughs> it is. A it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're there for a purpose. But then people start asking because my, my student visa was for language, as mm -hmm. yours probably was too. Then people start asking, why do you want to learn Urdu? Yeah. <laughs> why do you want to live in Pakistan yeah. and learn Urdu? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if you had someone living next door to you saying, um, well, I'm here and I'm just, all I want to do is learn English. Mm. And, and you'd say, well, why? Yeah. <laughs> and why are you spending thousands of dollars to come here and how are you getting that money? You know, we'd immediately start the cogs would start turning, and yeah. particularly if you're in a if you're in a little country town, you know, like in in Ohio. Yeah, Nashville, Ohio. I mean, if a if a group of seven guys moved into the house <laughs> next door to me and and said they were learning English, okay, English, okay, English is useful, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But but not Urdu. <laughs> And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and uh, they said they were learning Urdu and they didn't do anything all day. They yeah. had all the money to be able to afford this house. And they had this Volkswagen Beetle that they drove around all the time. And, you know, yeah. it would just be weird. Just, I'd probably yeah. call the FBI. It was. Yeah. And, and it was weird for, for me too. Um, in, in when I was on the student visa in Islamabad as a single. Mm -hmm. And then I went back on another student visa as a married man. With my wife and children. Oh gosh! Yeah. Still, they're learning Urdu, and yeah. why are you bringing your family out here to, to learn it? It just doesn't add up. Yeah. And and um, naturally and understandably, people were skeptical, and 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 were try. They try and we all do it. Try and put people into a box that makes sense to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we to do. to our situation and. Um, and so I never found the, the, the student visa or the, the other, any other visa I never found to be really satisfactory. Yeah. Um, well, when you're a, until I was, no, when you're a man with two kids and a wife and you're yeah. on a student visa, I mean, the, 
I would teach on this at, at, at our company trainings and, uh-huh. and the, the, um, the classic example of this is the guy who, you know, is, has two kids and a wife is studying and has studied for five years and still <laughs> studied the language for five still doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And why are you doing a PhD in, in Urdu? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the real epiphany for me came on this when I was uh, I was running my business in Delhi, and uh, these um, oh, we call them um, um, Deobundis. Um, they yeah. they come from Deobund. Did I, yeah. I I don't think I shared this story. If I did, stop me because I don't want to repeat myself. But okay. all these Deobundis enrolled in my school, right? And so. I had this class full of Dale Bundys with their topis on and their long beards and everything. Are they the green turban guys? No, no, they're the, they're the, like, they're like Muslim missionaries. Okay. And yeah. Well, so are the green turban guys. Okay. 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 They didn't have green. Well, they could have, I'm colorblind. I can't see green. So <laughs> maybe they did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and so, but they, I had 30 of them just in roll and Dale Bund was, you know, a five hour train ride away. So, uh, you know, why are they enrolling in my school? And so I watched him for a while and I kind of picked out the leader. So I called him into my office and I said, you know, and I said, you know, Abel, what, what is this? Where, why are you here? Why are you enrolling in my school? I don't understand. And he looked at me like a deer caught in the headlights. And uh, he said, well, he said, we like English. We like Americans. We like Delhi. We, we want to learn more about American culture. We want to learn better English. And I was like sitting there listening to him thinking, he sounds just like us <laughs> when we're trying to explain our, our, why we're there, you know? Wow. And, and uh, so they were there for some other reason. I don't know what it was. Maybe they tried to convert us or make sure we're not trying to convert people or what. But, but what, it, what I came away with is I can't trust this guy because I don't know why he's here. I don't know yes. why he's doing this. He could be there to blow the school up, you know, who knows, you know, yes. but, um, yeah. and it made me realize that's probably how people see us when we can't explain our, our, our identity properly. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was yeah. when it really came. And then, then, then I realized, okay, all those years, I must've looked like such a fool. <laughs> well, yeah, you, we just didn't fit. You yeah, know, we didn't. Yeah. We didn't have a box that people could put us in. Yeah, and um, yeah, and when I went um, in these past years, that when we were most recently in Pakistan, and I was there on a missionary visa, mm-hmm. and uh, and so the 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 country knew that I was coming on a missionary visa. I went to fulfill a role in a hospital. Um, I was working in IT in yeah. a hospital, but I was also I was also working in chaplaincy alongside my wife, who who is a trained chaplain. Okay. And um, okay. So so I kind of was doing what she was doing with men. Thanks for joining us on the Why Went Factor podcast. We're looking forward to having you back here soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>